The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson with you here on a Wednesday on the Full Court Press. Uh, trying to figure out and pick up the pieces from what happened last night in uh, at the Air Force Academy. Bizarre how Utah State has hit this three-game stretch. It's uncharacteristic of what they were like a year ago under Craig Smith. Um, certainly, I think injuries are a part of it. Fatigue could be a part of it. Confidence, maybe, a part of it. But, that again, uncharacteristic of a Craig Smith-coached Utah State team. Uh, they do have a mini break here, the, a little extra day. Having the game on Tuesday gives them one extra day to, to rest and get ready for Nevada. But um, we'll get into the Utah State Aggies here in just a little bit uh, more here on the show. Uh, trying to figure out what happened last night. Where do they go from here? Uh, Utah Jazz, they're in action tonight as well. They are facing the New York Knicks. We'll have pregame coverage with Utah Jazz Radio Network here on The Fan starting at 6.50. David Locke with the play-by-play at 7, games in Salt Lake City. Um, We've also got uh, some new rules from the XFL. They've started their practices. Their teams have started their training camps this week, and they revealed what what rules are going to play by, and it's really interesting. Can they prove to be something that the uh, NFL – takes a strong look at. Of course, rules on paper are one thing. Seeing how it plays out in a season is something else. So we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show as well. But uh, we've been previewing what's going on with the Region 11 teams in high school basketball. Yesterday we talked about uh, Skyview and Ridgeline. Uh, Last hour we spoke with uh, A.J. Knight about Mountain Crest. And now we have the distinct honor of having... Legend Craig Hislop here in studio to help us understand what's going on at the Green Canyon Wolves. Craig, it's an honor having you here in the building. It's an honor to get in out of the snow. It's starting to snow again. <laughs> Is it a little weird for you sitting where you're at now and looking across at the studio where you normally hang your hat? Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> Not because of that, but because I'm with you. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. That explains a lot. Okay. Okay, so Green Canyon, this is a team that. Um, is done fairly well. Maybe not quite like what they did um, a year ago. They had some pretty amazing players last year. Most of them have, have graduated or, or left. But this is a team that's still playing some pretty good basketball and still on the hunt for Region 11. I didn't think they could be as good as a year ago when I you realize Carter Barish and Dewey Panter, the two guys that traded off being the scoring leaders, graduated. Uh, Carter is playing for like Western Wyoming Junior College, one of the Wyoming Junior Colleges. Uh, Dewey Panter is a golfer at Utah State. And uh, there were other guys, I guess, that left, but they, they had a two or three people coming back. And the thing that I found out doing the games early on was that this team should be grateful that the DeBoard family, Cade and his uh, brother uh, Cole, playing at Skyview last year, 
Cole was on the state championship team, but their parents built a home in the Green Canyon uh, area, and they live in that home. So now they're Green Canyon players, and the first uh, few games, it seemed to me like these guys couldn't miss shots, and it, it came in handy because, as I said, Carter Barish and Dewey Panner were gone. So and as the season has gone along, this has turned out to be a pretty decent team. They lost to Box Elder in the first game, and it wasn't close, and it was at Green Canyon. They were down by 19 a few games, or a few times. Made a run at the end to get within 10 or 12 or whatever. And, and I thought, well, that plays right into my preseason expectations of this team. And then they went to Roy and lost. And then they had a game soon after that with Judge Memorial. And then they looked like a team. And I think that was a game where Cade DeBoard hit like seven three-pointers in the second half alone. Ooh. And they won. And they started playing really well. Then they won five in a row. Then they went up to the Burley tournament and lost two of the three. But to have come back getting ready for region play. And uh, I think they'll be a contender. I think they can be up there like they were last year. They won it a year ago because they swept Skyview. I don't know if anybody expected that. And Skyview went on to win the state title. But uh, it's a fun team to watch. And Coach McClure is uh, – I've really enjoyed working with him. I think he's a, a terrific high school coach. He was at Roy for many years before he came to Green Canyon. And he's got himself a team here with McKay Jorgensen playing – Probably a little better than I thought he would. McKay was like a 10 points a game scorer last year. And the last half dozen games, he's been the most consistent guy. It seems like he gets 15 points every game. And uh, Cade DeBoard, the sophomore stiller, leading scorer, about 14 a game. And Cole, well, McKay's at 13 points a game. Cole DeBoard is at 11. And then Carter Mon has been really a great development and uh, gets 10 points a game. This is the only team in the region that has four double-figure scores every game. Yeah, so that was what I was going to ask you. That's been a kind of a theme that we're hearing and we're, we're talking to our play-by-play friends who follow these teams is that if how many players are on the team who get to that double-figure mark? Like Mountain Crest only has one. And then it, there's a pretty big gap after that or how close they are between the top scorer and then who's, who's second. Uh, Ridgeline has, has two, but another one's kind of on the fringe. Skyview's got a couple. Um, so Bear River's got three. Bear River's got uh, some good ones, too. So yeah. this Green Canyon team, a bit of an anomaly in that they have four guys, but are they pretty consistent at the, their averages, or are there nights where they're a little bit higher, or maybe they have a great game, and then they have a, a night or two where they're not really even close to that? Well, Cade DeBoard had a little bit of a run there where it didn't seem like his long shot was going in. He started doing something that I think has made him a better basketball player because he's, he's becoming a good ball handler and a guy that can pass the ball around for a guy that th- shoots three-pointers. But he started going to the basket and throwing for assists, and every once in a while he'd shoot a three-pointer. And uh, the last game, uh, Hunter, was that the last game? Before the uh, Burley tournament. But he, uh, he started making shots uh, at other parts of the floor, and then he got two or three three-pointers. And uh, so that can come, it comes and goes, I think, a little bit with the DeBoards. Hmm. And uh, as I said, McKay's become very consistent. And Carter Mon has been the same thing, too. He, I, I guess I'm, I'm slightly surprised that he's a double-figure scorer. And I think he will be all year. And he's a terrific rebounder. And uh, he can play defense. 
McKay Orgeson, you'd call him an elite defender. And then, you know, you've got Jake Lundin, the, the baseball, the fat football quarterback. He is a terrific defender. He's the kind of guy you would, at six foot two, you would feel confident putting him on Mason Falslip and giving it a shot mm. because he's tough. Just a tough physical yeah. presence on the court. He's a competitor. He hates to lose. <laughs> uh, again, we're talking to Craig Hislop. He's the play-by-play voice for the Green Canyon Wolves. They've got region play starting on Friday. Um, this is a team that, like you said, uh, won the region a year ago. Uh, there's some guys that, from that team that have that have left, but um, still significant number of players that are back this year. What about some of the underclassmen? Is this besides? It's been another theme that we're talking about. Is there a lot of youth that's contributing, or is it mostly an upperclassman type of team that's carrying the weight and carrying most of the minutes? It's a blend because, as I said, Cade DeBoard is a sophomore who wasn't here before. He was at Skyview in the freshman system, I guess. So. He's the leading scorer, and he's a sophomore. There's one other sophomore who plays, and that's Brady Smith. And his dad's a basketball coach at Utah State. Brady is a talented young man. I remember the first game when they got so far behind uh, Box Elders, so Coach McClure in the last, most of the last quarter put in some guys that could run around and chase Box Elder and create turnovers, and Brady was one of them. He was on the court at the end of that game, and he's played good minutes he was, I'm told, the, I didn't go with him to the Burley tournament. He led them in scoring at the Burley tournament with 11 points as a sophomore. And he, he's a shooter. I guess he's one of those guys as a sophomore. He tries to find his place. And I think Coach McClure has to be really encourage him to take shots. You know, there, there are a couple of these guys that's probably, that's true. Because uh, Cade DeBoard, when he hits a little bit of a cold spell, the coach is going to want him to keep shooting. And it's the same with his brother, and it's certainly true for McKay Jorgensen. But as far as underclassmen, Cade DeBoard, and then Jorgensen and, and Cole DeBoard are seniors, Carter Mons is senior. Uh, Caleb Robison we haven't talked about, who was a backup a year ago, a six foot six guy who's really been a big difference on this team this year. In the middle, he had three baskets at the end of the Hunter game, so we made him the player of the game. And he made him with great moves around the basket that he's probably worked on all of the offseason. Uh, other guys that play, Brady Smith, I mentioned, Jake Lundin is a junior. Uh, Jacob Regan is a junior that gets minutes and will play defense for you. And Jordan Alder is a senior. Those are the guys. There's eight of them that uh, play. Jordan played a little bit last year. Jordan's one of those. I think he's one of my favorites because he's a, he's a senior who knows his role. He knew he'd be a role player this year. And I thought in the early games he was way trying too hard. And he was getting a little tight just because he wanted to do so well. And I think he's taking care of that. He'll be a guy that'll make some plays as this season goes along that will help this team make a, a run in the state tournament. So those are the, those are the players. There aren't, as I look at it then, yeah, a couple of juniors, two sophomores, and the seniors that we talked about. Uh, Carter Mond looks like he's a guy that, um, not the leading scorer, but he's certainly helping out a lot of different ways with distributing the ball, leading the team in assists, and leading the team in steals. He does it all, and he plays defense too. And here's the guy who, in their run of games when they were winning five in a row, because he's such a good rebounder, but he was releasing and taking off because they had decided we're going to run on every play, and somebody would find him like he was a wide receiver headed to the basket for, for easy scores. So and, and he's made that add up to 10 points a game, but he's also started to hit uh, three-point shots. 
and he's he's a he's a really solid rebounder, and he can defend people at about six foot two. So this is a, a Green Canyon team that's currently tied with Ridgeline in the overall record for when you look at this, the current standings in the region. Um, you know they both have seven and five records. They're effectively third. You look at overall records in in region play. Obviously, they're zero zero in region. But does this Green Canyon team look like it could be a team that could compete with Bear River and and Skyview to be in the running to win the region? I think they're a contender. I mean, uh, as I said, they beat Skyview twice, but they lost to Bear River twice last year. And this looks like a good Bear River team, as they've had uh, recently with the scores and everything with the coaching change, but. Uh, it's a tough game to play over at, at the Bears' uh, place. And uh, I, I, I'm going to say, yeah. I think Green Canyon is obviously, I would put them in the top three. And I guess that you have to include Ridgeline. I haven't seen most of these teams play, to tell you the truth. Uh, and uh, so I don't know much about Ridgeline at all. And I guess that's their next game. That's right. And I won't be doing that. No, that's right. So, uh, the game will still be on the station where you normally would hear yes. Green Canyon, but all right, the, since that game is at Ridgeline, Dave Simmons is going to call that one. Um, but this, uh, before we talk about any more about that specifically, the RPI. This is uh, we've only had a few weeks of it in, in basketball when we've seen the numbers, but you saw the full season with with football. Do you? What's the sense that you've got from Coach McClure? If anything, Coach Anders certainly you had chances to talk with him with, during the football season. What's your sense of the RPI? Do you think it's working like it? It probably ought to. Do you see coaches maybe tweaking some things or UHSAA tweaking some things about it? Uh, in football, I thought it was it was a good system. The thing that we all found was the first round games were all one-sided football games for the most part, but I guess that's what the system's meant. You know, you, you, get, you get rewarded for playing well during the season. And I thought, I, I thought as far as I could tell, that the, the, the system rated them pretty fairly. I haven't really take, taken a look much yet at the, the, how the basketball is going. I would assume Mountain Crest isn't rated well, and Skyview probably is rated well. Uh, Skyview number one, Mountain Crest dead last. Well, there you go. <laughs> So, yes. And everybody in between. And everybody in between, yes. Uh, so if folks do want to follow what Green Canyon is doing in their games, they want to listen to a Green Canyon broadcast, where do they find it? We're on Light FM 100.9. At least that's, that's what I tell everybody on the games. <laughs> it could be somewhere else. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes, you are correct. Okay. Yeah. Not generally, you are correct. Uh, yes, they're they're on 100.9 FM. Regardless if it's a home game or not, we always ha- have those games on the radio, uh, especially now. We weren't able to get you up to Burley for that tournament up there, but we'll have all the games on from here on out. Uh, but we also stream them online. You can go to cashvalleydaily.com. Just on the menu, go to sports. You'll see the, the drop-down for local uh, prep sports, and that's where you'll see the link for the uh, local high school basketball schedules. You'll see the full schedule. You see the radio station that carries it, and links to listen live wherever you are. These teams we play in non-region games that we get to do the games—they're shocked that this whole region is taken care of by our our group of stations. Everybody has a station that follows them, and people around the state can't say that in no. high school sports. It's pretty amazing. It, it is. It, it really is. It's cool that we're able to figure that out, and make it happen. 
Because you'll see some radio groups, our friends in the broadcast industry, just do like a designated game of the week Mm -hmm. where they'll follow a couple schools here and there. They'll, They'll pick who they think are the better teams and follow them, but they won't do an entire region. So it's pretty cool. And it's pretty cool to have a legend like Craig Hislop in the mix calling the games. Legend in his own mind, as they say. (laughs) All right. Uh, Actually, Craig, before I let you go, uh, I wanted to ask you some Utah State stuff. Go ahead. Okay, first, football-related. The Athletic put together their top 100 NFL draft prospects. Oh, I didn't see that. Jordan Love is in their top 100, listed as number 16 overall. The number three quarterback, ahead of Justin Herbert. Really? Ahead of the kid at Washington. You see how surprised I am? <laughs> yeah. It just, I was surprised to see that. Apparently, you're surprised to see that, too. I, you know, I assume that these scouts, when, when I was working in the athletic department, the scouts would come through, and, and they would, everybody knew them. I mean, the head coach and the assistants talk to them, and I'm sure these assistant coaches uh, share some confidences about these players and tell them the truth, maybe both good and bad, and I'm assuming there are things that they've said to these scouts about Jordan that are mostly saying things like, I'm not sure that his, his, the slippage in his season was his fault, or something like that, without many other details as far as putting blame on somebody else. Because it doesn't sound like, if the athletics got him there, that uh, his reputation was hurt much by this season because he had a terrific uh, 2018, obviously. Yeah, I've seen uh, uh, there were some publications earlier in the year that were projecting him as maybe the the number six quarterback on the board, which would put him in late second round, maybe even third round. But then the athletics... Got him up there as, gosh, he could go in the first round. Who are the first two quarterbacks? Number one was Joe Burrow, and not far behind him was, uh, I believe it was Tua. Tua Tonga-Vailoa at Alabama. Um, So, and with Tua, with his injury, that may change as they get closer, whether or not they feel he'll be good enough to go or not. But there's some of the evaluation on Jordan Love was they wanted to see how he was going to do at this uh, Reese's Senior Bowl where he's working with a lot of NFL people and um, see if if that changes and they get a better chance to evaluate. Oh, I'm him sure then, so. it, it could for the, for the better even too, though. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question I wanted to ask you, uh, Utah State basketball. They're in a three-game slump. This is – it just seems really weird. It's just not – like a, they're missing a player. They're not. Um, there's no one like been suspended. Everybody's there, but it's just, something seems to be fundamentally off with Utah State basketball. And and those kind of things can happen, but three games in a row is really perplexing. And I'm sure that Coach Smith is has his own questions he's as, asking among the team and his coaches. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't see much of the game last night, hardly any of it. But I didn't. Ex- I expected a win there, and and I I've, I've been with Aggie teams that struggled a lot at Air Force, but usually always won because they're so disciplined. 
this has seemed to be a, a little bit of a different Air Force team with an athlete or two running around scoring 30-some points. Come on. Yeah, that's true. It didn't seem like a, your typical, atypical Air Force kind of squad. Is that a problem with the Aggie defensive effort? I didn't see the game. Uh, well, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier that I, I felt like Utah State seemed out of place a lot last night. So it's either they weren't prepared for the Princeton-style offense or just they didn't have the legs to get their bodies in position. Hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's perplexing to see what's going on with Utah State basketball right now. Well, everything that happened last year and then the expectations this year and then these last three games, it doesn't add up. No. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. All right, Craig Hislop, the voice of the Green Canyon Wolves. And you can hear those games on 100.9 Light FM and streaming online. You get the links on cashvalleydaily.com. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Eric. Best of luck to your broadcast for the rest of the year. Thank you. Right. Uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, uh, again, get into what happened last night at the Air Force Academy. Uh, are there any answers? Are there any explanations? Uh, I don't think everybody is scratching their head trying to figure out the answers to those questions. Uh, the XFL will be starting up soon in about a month, a month from today on February 8th. And uh, how different will they be from the, the Alliance of American Football and that failed experiment? Can they make this one work? And maybe with some of the different rules changes that they'll be playing under, could make it interesting. Will it be enough? We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. Big thanks to Craig Hislop, uh, definitely broadcast legend, joining me in studio. Talk about the Green Canyon Wolves. As uh, We've been previewing the Region 11 teams the last couple of nights. And uh, still Logan and Bear River to, uh, to get through, so we're working on that and getting those lined up. As our region play begins on Friday, uh, you've got... Mountain Crest at Logan. Green Canyon is at Ridgeline, and Skyview is at Bear River, I think. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's right. So all those games will be broadcast on our local stations here, the Cache Valley Media Group, family of stations. And regardless if it's a home game or not, we'll, we'll, for those teams, we'll still have them on their designated stations. You can see that full list on CacheValleyDaily.com. Uh, last night, it was Utah State on the road at Air Force and has us all scratching our heads. What happened, or what has happened to this basketball team? A bad loss at UNLV, a bad loss at Air Force, two teams that were far below Utah State in the net rankings and uh, what they were doing with their teams. Just bad circumstance that those were two teams getting hot at the right time. I get it that teams are going to play well at certain times and teams aren't going to play well at certain times, but it's certainly not what we've been accustomed to seeing Utah State play this way under uh, Coach Craig Smith. 
the the second halves have been atrocious uh, in those, particularly those two losses against San Diego State. It was different. There was more competitive fire. They were uh, closer in, in that game, but every time they put a run together, San Diego State would answer. They just seemed to have control of the game from the beginning. Even when Utah State had their little runs, the San Diego State still seemed to be in control. Last night at Air Force started out pretty good for Utah State. Late in the second half, they're up by 12 points. And things are going like most of us thought the game would go. Utah State should be the superior team, should have a chip on their shoulder from what happened the last their last two games and beat a team that shouldn't be better than them. But then Air Force got on a run, closed the gap, uh, went into the halftime with momentum, feeling pretty good about themselves. Utah State still had the lead at halftime, but Air Force just continued their onslaught, and Utah State did not have an answer. Ryan Swan has been playing really, really well lately. He has scored 20 or more points his last four games. He scored 31 on the Aggies. He also had 11 boards. They just seemed to be, Air Force seemed to be in the places they wanted to be when they needed to be there. And it was completely different for USU. Um, they outscored USU 48-26 to in the second half. Uh, 26 second half points, that's a season low for USU. Thank goodness for Brock Miller doing what he was able to do. 16 points, five three-pointers. We've been, we've been dogging on Brock. Uh, for uh, you know, he's been struggling with his shot against quality teams that aren't Division three. But last night he got it going. If it wasn't for him, it would have been a nightmare, even a worse nightmare. I don't know if it could get any worse. But Sam Merrill struggled. He was held scoreless in the second half. He just looks like he's running on fumes. Air Force is always a challenging team to play against. But when you look over the past seven years. Uh, or whatever, since they've been in the Mountain West together, Utah State has done well against Air Force. But last night, the team just didn't seem to be in position like they needed to be. Is that they're out of gas? Is it they weren't prepared? Is it a combination of multiple things? Perhaps. But this is a team now that's lost three games in a row, and any hopes of being an at-large team have got to be out the window. The net rankings are updated every day after all the games were played. Utah State has dropped down to 91. And it didn't help San Diego State's net rankings with Utah State's loss. They went from number one to number three. Um, but it's just Nevada. It's a team that Utah State plays uh, later this weekend. They moved up. They're up to 83 now. So New Mexico and Nevada are ahead of Utah State in the net rankings. Utah State's on the threshold of dropping out of the top 100. Uh, Nevada's not a pushover team. Uh, They're playing some good basketball right now. They've got a pretty good coach who knows how to coach in this league. So this team desperately needs to get some things figured out, either be at rest, finding that right spark, that right combination on the court, but the guys that have been normally pretty consistent haven't been. Um, Sam Merrill has struggled. Justin Bean is struggling right now. Namish Keta uh, coming back, but um, you know he we saw him out of position multiple times, and, and is because of that he was fouling a lot with his hands. 
So kind of a rough spot for Utah State and what they were able to do or not able to do against Air Force last night. So that's now three losses in conference play. And so that drops them into the bottom third of the Mountain West standings. San Diego State, Nevada, UNLV, they're all undefeated right now in conference play. New Mexico has one loss. Boise State, Air Force, they have two losses. And then there's Utah State and Colorado State with and San Jose State with three losses, followed by Fresno and Wyoming with four. So it's, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of us asking questions we don't know all the answers to. And what's scary is if this coaching staff is asking those same questions, um, and if they don't know how to answer them, then it could be a, 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 one more loss because this Nevada team is not going to be a pushover. So what happens with Utah State going forward? We'll find out on Saturday. It'll be shown on CBS Sports Network. It's a national game. Uh, frankly, a lot on the line here. If Utah State wants any hopes of salvaging the season, they've got to get it figured out ASAP. Um, what's bad is, is losing in such a fashion against a team that's... I mean, they, the net rankings going into the game, they're 199. Air Force has moved up to 174. So... Tough loss for Utah State. A lot of people searching for answers. Hopefully they get those figured out um, and find the right combination of players who are going to come in there and provide a spark for this Aggie basketball team to get things turned around. So, I don't know. We're all scratching our heads. Uh, Something else we're scratching our heads about? What's going on with San Diego State football? Rocky Long announcing that he is resigning at San Diego State. We'll update you on what's uh, happening there with the Aztecs, who the new coach might be. And speaking of football, we'll talk about the XFL. Their season will be getting started soon, and they've announced what their their rules will be, how they'll be different from what we normally understand with football. Could that be interesting? Could it make the game more intriguing, or are they just gimmicks that won't really last and could backfire on them? We'll take a look at those coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson with you on a Wednesday, Full Court Press. Uh, if you missed it earlier on, we talked to A.J. Knight and Craig Hislop about uh, what's going on with the Region 11 teams, Mountain Crest and Green Canyon. You can go to our website, 1069thefan.com. Later tonight, sometime tomorrow, we usually try to get them up before too long, and you can listen back to those podcasts and hear what they had to say about uh, how those teams are doing with region play starting on Friday. You'll hear the, the Skyview Bobcats when they take on the Bear River Bears here on the fan on Friday night. 
So stay tuned for that. Because of that game, we won't have the Jazz when they play uh, against uh, Charlotte. But uh, anyway, just a heads up on that. We do have the Jazz tonight, so stay tuned for that. That pregame coverage will be at 6.50, tip-off at 7. Utah Jazz taking on the New York Knicks. And we've got the full Jazz Radio Network here on The Fan. Um, Talking about some football news, there's uh, news today that Rocky Long is calling it quits at San Diego State. And i got to be honest, this... This really surprises me. Here's a guy that's had success. Uh, he's he's been a good coach. He's won conference uh, championships. He's been um, uh, in the middle with a lot of different things, and um, he he always has a great team. But today he made the announcement that uh, you know, there was some rumor earlier this week that he was interviewing for. Defensive coordinator positions at other places. But today he announces that he's done and the school is having an old San Diego State coach uh, take the reins again. That sounds familiar, Utah State fans. Uh, Brady Hoke will be the new head coach for San Diego State. Um, so seems surprising. I mean, he's won three Mountain West championships, he's gone to bowl games nine straight seasons. For the last five seasons, he's won 10 or more games. It just seems surprising. Um, but it seems surprising that Chris Peterson decided to hang it up. You know, At some point, uh, a coach just feels like you know it's, his time is done. But when I heard the, the talk that he was interviewing for defensive coordinator positions at other places or he was throwing his name around, I thought it's a, it's a pretty common... Coaching ploy to extend a contract or to get more money where you're at. To illustrate to the the place where you are how you're needed and other people want you. And so to keep me, um, you better up your game a little bit. But apparently that wasn't the case. He's he's done. Um, he's calling it quits. Now, is he really calling it quits? Is this a temporary thing? That's still to be determined. But uh, he is the all-time winningest coach in the Mountain West. Second winningest coach in San Diego State history. And uh, he says he's retiring. So that's going to be five new head coaches in the Mountain West this next year. Yep, Brady Hoke, he was there before. He was on the staff currently. So he's, he's elevated. He understands the landscape. But still, it's a new head coach. That's five new head coaches in the Mountain West. New head coach at San Diego State, new head coach at Fresno, uh, UNLV, New Mexico, and Colorado State. And then when you add in Gary Anderson, he just there for uh, one year. I mean, that's a lot of newer coaches in the Mountain West. Um, so, surprising announcement today in San Diego. Uh, now, Rocky Long was a, a successful coach at New Mexico. Uh, he went to uh, San Diego State to be a defensive coordinator, and then he became the head coach when Brady Hoke left to go to Michigan. So it's kind of very similar to what's happened at uh, Utah State with the uh, coaches being where they were and replaced by other guys who were there before them. So um, anyway, it's strange news, I think. 
um, out of uh, San Diego. But uh, Rocky Long makes his home in uh, Durango, Colorado. I guess that's where he's got a lot of family there. And apparently that's uh, where he plans to go. So interesting news coming out of San Diego. Uh, and uh, it wasn't a big coaching search. It was rather qu- decided quickly. And, it, you know, honestly, it makes a lot of sense. This was a team that uh, Brady Hoke has been a part of. They had success under him before. It's a pretty smart decision. So that's the news coming out of the Mountain West Conference. Another school has another new head coach. Uh, some other interesting news is to see what happens in the XFL. Uh, the XFL was a was a league. Was it twenty years ago? Didn't really last. Um, the Alliance for American Football. They tried to kick up and do something last year. It didn't last. XFL it gave themselves a little more time than the AAF to try to put their league together and understand who they are and what they want to do. But will it matter? One thing that might help them is how they plan to play the game. Now They're mostly typical college football or NFL rules, football rules, pretty Pretty typical, but there are some notable changes. Uh, the training camps opened this week. The season starts on February 8th. It'll go for about 10 weeks. But here are some of the interesting notes with the XFL and how things will be different and how they hope to speed up the game and make it more interesting. Uh, there's going to be a kickoff. The way they do kickoffs, it's going to really discourage touchbacks, and it's more likely that you'll have a return. So it'll be kicked off from the 30-yard line. But blocking teams, they'll line up at the receiving team's 35 and 30-yard lines, respectively. So the coverage and blocking teams will line up differently. Only the kicker and the returner can move until the ball is caught or three seconds after it hits the ground. So whoever gets the ball is going to have a head of steam and an opportunity for a return. So they like returns in, college, in in football. They're seeing that the, there are few of fewer of them, but the XFL is trying to say, no, we think it should be part of the game and we're going to make it even more interesting. Uh, here's another one. Players can't leave the line of scrimmage on punts until after the kick. Again, encouraging returns. Uh, they're, they're trying to get away from fair catches, uh, what they call coffin corner kicks. Uh, they're trying to provide more incentives for also for going for it on fourth down. Um, you have a couple different options after you score a touchdown. You can do a one-point play from the two-yard line. You can have a two-point play from the three-yard line or a three-point play from the 10-yard line. And There's no kicking. You don't kick an extra punt or an extra point. There's no PAT. The, the way they do the point after touchdown is by lining up to run a play. And so it could be a one, two, or three-point play that you do, depending on where you line up. And so that could be an interesting way to see how the scoring works. And that also affects uh, how things could go in in the uh, overtime. It's very different. There's been a lot of debate this last week about overtime. Should the NFL change its overtime rules? Should they look more like college football where everybody, each team has a chance to answer uh, the NFL has said, no, defense is just as much a part of the game as offense. So 
you have every opportunity to stop them and get the ball back. But in the XFL, what they're trying to say is they're adopting kind of a shootout, similar to what the NHL does. So you get five single-play possessions from the five-yard line. If the game is still tied after that, then rotating possessions will continue until there's a winner. So they hope that you know that won't happen very often because of those how it happens with points after touchdowns. But if it does get into overtime, you have five possessions. You have only have one play. We'll see what happens from the ten yard or excuse me from the five yard line. Okay, here's some other interesting rules with the XFL. Uh, you can have two forward passes on one play as long as the first one doesn't go past the line of scrimmage. So they're really encouraging more trick plays. Even if it's a forward pass, as long as it doesn't go beyond the line of scrimmage, you can throw it again. Whereas in most football, you can only do that if it's a backward pass or a lateral. Um, another interesting one, uh, you can only you only need one foot inbounds to count. In, in the pros, you need two. But in college and high school, you only need one. So I like that. Uh, I think that could be interesting to see how that continues to move uh, drives down the field uh, and and scoring opportunities. Uh, there will be nine officials on the field. One of them is dedicated solely to spotting the ball. So uh, one of the big things, is with especially with hurry-up teams, they'll get to the line and they wait for the ref to get the ball and figure out where it is and get it to where it needs to be and place it on the field. And so this will try to eliminate some of that. They'll also have a video official. Uh, he can intervene on any non-reviewable plays if it involves player safety. So that's positive. Or he can in- get involved if there's any calls inside of five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. So booth-initiated reviews of normal reviewable plays will continue to happen. But um, this adds maybe a little bit different element as well. Um, offensive linemen, they can be up to two yards downfield when a pass is thrown. So we've seen this be a real problem at, uh, with this run-pass option stuff that's becoming more popular in the pro game. We see it a lot in the college game, and it's hurt Utah State on a number of occasions with a, a illegal player downfield. So the XFL is trying to adjust some of that. And uh, the other thing, they're, they're trying to move the game along quicker. The, the ideal for the XFL is for a game to be done in two hours and 45 minutes. And a typical NFL game is over three hours. So there's a running clock. It won't stop even after incomplete passes or when players go out of bounds. Uh, the only time that changes with when you're in the last two minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of regulation. Uh, there's only a 10-minute halftime. There are only two timeouts per team per half. There's no coin toss. It's already decided before the game begins. Home team is always going to make the choice to kick, receive, or defer to start the game. Make it simple. And the visitors make that choice to start overtime. So they take out any of the shenanigans or questions about how it's properly done, who said what. So trying to move it along, improve the pace of of how these games are played. Will it work? Um, the, The bottom line is the rules are interesting, but... What's the talent on the field really going to look like? That's the. Will it be games that will be interesting? Will there be good athletes that will play the game? I, I like a lot of these rules, but can they have the talent to make it interesting? And so that the rules don't matter. Um, but 
we'll see. I mean, the XFL begins here in, uh, in about a month, February 8th. Training camp's already underway. And uh, it'll go for about a 10-week season. So, uh, interesting rules. I think the NFL ought to take a hard look at some of these to see how well it works. Uh, but some of it is kind of gimmicky just to get eyeballs and people paying attention to see really how it does work. There will be a lot of attention early on in the season when it starts, but uh, how how well will it be sustained four or five, seven weeks into their regular season? All right, coming up next, some final thoughts. And a reminder, Utah Jazz coming up again uh, tonight against the New York Knicks. And we'll discuss that again and uh, recap some of the big things from the from the day. Coming up next, right here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. Last little bit before we hand it off to Fox Sports Radio for a little bit. Then we'll have Utah Jazz pregame coverage starting at 6.50. Tip-off at 7 against the Knicks. Boy, recapping the biggest story of the day, just what happened at Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy. Still scratching our heads trying to find answers. We get it. We've heard lots of things about how this team's not healthy. Uh, They looked gassed. Uh, a lot of different players did. Uh, they just didn't seem like they were in the right position. They've played. They played three games in seven days, and two of those involved travel. I get that. And then one of them was against the number thirteen at the time, the number thirteen team in the country. That's a tough stretch. So what we're all going to be watching very closely is how this team responds. Does this? This is really gut check time for Utah State, and it's. It's not like they have a soft opponent or two to get ready for it. We thought that's what they had last night. Certainly that wasn't the case. Uh, Rocky Long resigning at San Diego State. Um, Brady Hoke replacing him. He was a defensive line coach. He was a former head coach at San Diego State. He was a former coach at Michigan as well. I don't think Rocky Long is out of coaching. I think he might still end up somewhere just finding the right place that fits. That's my hunch. He's too successful, and he's not that old. So I, I'd be surprised if, if he really did hang it up and call it good. But nonetheless, there's a new head coach in the Mountain West. Not to be overlooked. Brady Hoke uh, had a lot of success there at San Diego State before he left to Michigan. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Don't forget to check out our website for our past podcasts and past episodes. Have a great night, everybody.